welcome Dr. Speck. This is Stephen Rawson from the South King County Fire Training Consortium. Um, July 29th, we have the special privilege of having Dr. Sarah Speck here today. I met Sarah several years ago and was very um, honored and very impressed the fact that she strongly supports the role of exercise and nutrition in prevention and recovery of disease. And that's rare with what I've run into with clinicians. A lot of times it's procedure. So Sarah, thank you very much for that. Um, you have practiced cardiology and internal medicine for over 20 years in the greater Seattle area. And you are currently the medical director of the cardiac wellness and rehabilitation programs for a Swedish Heart and Vascular Institute in Seattle, correct? That is correct. And you're also a practicing cardiologist. So please add anything to that. Um, would you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, first of all, I want to say what a pleasure it is to be here. And I'm very grateful that you asked me to share some uh, comments. I also have a master's degree in public health. And along with my MD, I've always believed that prevention was the way to go. And with heart disease, it's very clear, particularly with the research in the last 10 years, that if you recognize what your risks are early enough, you can actually dramatically decrease your uh, having a heart attack or a stroke, um, particularly on the job for first responders, it's a very high risk. Ha over half of the deaths of first responders are those which occur from heart attacks or sudden cardiac death. And so I'm very pleased that you, or Stephen, are taking such an active role in trying to alert first responders to their risk and what we can do about it to save lives, not only those that they're designed to save, but their own and for their families. No, thank you very much. I, I think what I'm trying to do today is kind of re-alert us. We've heard about the cardiovascular diseases, cancers, and it's almost like you get common to it. Mm -hmm. And what I want folks to know, the day you get hired here, we want you to start thinking about retirement by practicing some things hopefully we'll talk about today. So thank you very much, Dr. Speck. Yeah. Uh, first question I had, what is Speck Health, Potent Rex, both of those and their purpose? So. In my role as the medical director of Swedish Heart and Vascular's Cardiac Rehabilitation and Wellness Program, we've all realized for decades now the value of cardiac rehabilitation after you've had a heart attack or after you've had bypass surgery or after you've had a stent put in. Clearly, you decrease the rate of having another event by as much as 25 to 30%, which is just as good as any medication that we have out there. And it's using your own body's response to proper nutrition and exercise. So in my public health hat, I decided that wouldn't it be nice if we could offer that upfront? And clearly we know that there are risk factors associated with heart disease and stroke. And those risk factors can be identified decades prior to anyone having an event, quote unquote. And therefore we started Spec Health and Potentrix, your prescription for your full potential, in order to help people not only identify their risks, doing personalized assessment that works with your physiology, your biochemistry, your family history, your habits of lifestyle, and how we can mold those for your best success going forward in life. Okay, uh, what would you say are common mistakes or misunderstandings you see with first responders and heart health? 
Well, I think the first thing you have to understand is that a first responder is really a tactical athlete. And what I mean by that is that you have to have the athleticism to be able to walk into a situation where you know your adrenaline is pumping at full speed, you have prolonged risk of high blood pressure during that moment, you have prolonged risk of tachycardia, and if you're not physically and mentally and nutritionally healthy enough to withstand that, in the moment it's going to cause a toll, and over time it's going to cause a toll. And so you really need to think of yourself as an athlete. And as an athlete, you need to give your body the proper nutrition, you give, you give your body the proper exercise, and you monitor your body's signs. What's your weight for proportion to your height? What's your blood pressure? What are you putting into your body? Is it all saturated fat from lots of meat and cheese and no fruits and vegetables? That's not a very heart healthy diet. So there are things that you can do once you take responsibility and realize that you are that athlete. And in order to serve yourself and the community, that's where you need to direct your energies. Okay, thank you. What uh, type of heart issues are, would you say are preventable? Certainly, heart attacks and strokes are largely preventable. A large study done in, um, in 58 countries, men and women, 12,000 individuals who had their first heart attack and 10,000 individuals who had not had a heart attack matched by age and sex. We were able to identify five risk factors, smoking, high cholesterol or abnormal cholesterol values, whether or not you had diabetes, whether or not you were overweight, and whether or not you had a family history. All of these five factors are identifiable in, at age 20, at age 30, at age 40. And as you go forward, 80% of your risk depends on whether or not you have one of those five risk factors. 80% therefore is under your control, except for family history. So genetics really only counts for about 20% of your risk. The rest of it is up to you. 80%, 80% in our control. 80% is under our control. And when you partner with a provider who recognizes that, who recognizes your determination to change your lifestyle and to address those factors, you may need some medication, but often it's, again, with exercise and proper nutrition, you can control at least the amount of medication that you need to get to goals. And the goals are very clear. Your LDL cholesterol should be less than 100 your blood pressure should be less than 130 over 80. When we look at your waist circumference, it should be less than 35 inches for a man and less than um, 30 inches for a woman. When we look at your BMI, which is height and weight ratio, it should be between 19 and 25. And if it's above that, you're in trouble. But it's but, and it's something that you need to lose weight and get into, under better control. You need to stop smoking. You need to stop chewing tobacco. You need to get these kinds of things under control and you will re reduce your risk of having a heart attack, a stroke, or sudden cardiac death on the job or off the job by 80%. That's a powerful, that's power in your hands. I had a gentleman come in, Sarah, uh, the other day. He was talking to me and it just sounded like something I had heard so many years. I had, I won't name the place, but we've had in my career 29 physicals, annual physicals at this place. And his cholesterol was 200. 
235, 240, because his HDL was mid-70s, he was not at a heart risk. And his LDL is much higher than that 100. So I asked the question, are you doing a lipid A test, anything like that? Is there something we can do when that information comes in? Do you agree with that information? Because for 20 some years I received, you're doing fine because your HDL is much higher than your LDL. Well, in population studies, that's true, but we're not dealing with the population, we're dealing with an individual. And that individual's risk belongs to that individual. And so clearly, again, LDL trumps HDL, no pun intended, but it does, in fact, that's the value that we want to chase. HDL is, we believe, clears cholesterol plaque away, but unfortunately, it doesn't coat the inside of the blood vessel with armorol so that plaque can never, ever accumulate. It's the LDL, which are the bricks and mortar for building cholesterol plaque-related disease in arteries, whether they're the arteries in your brain, the arteries in your heart, or the arteries in your uh, other parts of your circulation. Okay, thank you. Um, how would you uh, prioritize or comment on the importance of sleep, stress reduction, nutrition, and exercise for maintaining longevity? What I would say is that sleep is a challenge when you're dealing with first responders because, of course, they're doing shift work. And we know that seven to eight hours for most adults is the most beneficial time, period of time, that, uh, that is helpful in terms of sleep. Now, when you're only getting five or six hours and it's somewhat interrupted, you want to be able to control the other factors that are also involved in that equation. And clearly stress is one of them. Stress elevates our adrenal levels, it elevates our blood, it elevates our blood pressure, it elevates our heart rate, all of which tax the heart's ability to, um, to pump the blood around and service your organ systems in a proper manner. But I think even more importantly, stress, doesn't, doesn't allow you to make good choices. No one reaches for broccoli when they're stressed. I can tell you after 30 years of being a cardiologist, we tend to practice bad habits. We have another cigarette, we have another drink, we have too much sugar, we have too much comfort food. And we're not able to focus on those aspects of our health that are gonna promote our own longevity. Um, do you think first responders need to have annual physicals? And with that, uh, I was also going to ask about support staff, maybe civilians, folks that work in a day staff positions, fast paced still, they, they support us. So I was asking a kind of a twofold question there, but the importance of physicals with several of our departments is basically an option, not mandated. I think that an annual physical or some kind of annual examination, uh, even with a um, adjunctive healthcare provider, will tell us about those important risk factors. In other words, knowing what your blood pressure is, knowing what your cholesterol numbers are, knowing what your weight is, knowing what your weight circumference is. These are all important aspects of predetermining your risk of heart disease. And of course, with firefighters also, you want to see, are they having any trouble with shortness of breath? Is there anything going on with their lungs? Are they having any rhythm disturbances? So I think an abbreviated version of a, of a quote unquote annual physical, if that's something that 
is difficult for, an, for a department to put into their budget, at least getting those kinds of expanded vital signs and a discussion with a healthcare provider is important to, to recognize early aspects of, of disease before they develop into a problem. So segue into the next question, what type of blood tests would you recommend? I would recommend those kinds of blood tests that screen for the diseases that we're talking about trying to prevent that could eventually go on to have heart disease. In other words, what's your fasting blood sugar? Do you have a tendency for diabetes, pre-diabetes, or have you actually developed diabetes? What is your cholesterol profile? And what I mean by your cholesterol profile is what's your total cholesterol, what's your HDL, healthy cholesterol, what's your LDL, lousy cholesterol, and what are your triglycerides? Triglycerides are another aspect of insulin and fat metabolism, and elevations in triglycerides predispose people for developing diabetes. I would say that liver function tests and kidney function tests can tell us a lot about how anything, substance that you're putting into your body, like alcohol, like too much fat, like too much ibuprofen or another uh, anti-inflammatory agent, how those affect and are metabolized through your kidney and your liver, again, are predicting whether or not you have a tendency for heart disease. And then in women, I think that having a it's particularly women who are premenopausal, in other words, they haven't gone through their change of life. What does their complete blood count look like? Are they in fact uh, somewhat iron deficient or B12 deficient because of their usual menses? Thank you. Uh, what are some other suggestions you could give to first responders that we haven't talked about yet? The other things that I would say are that Again, you're on shift and then you're off shift, but it's always important to maintain the balance of your life so that on shift, you're obviously not drinking alcohol. Off shift, you don't want to use that as a, as a stress reliever and drink too much. On shift, you are may, may not have as much control over your food, but you want to introduce healthy eating and not just retain that for when you're off shift. So you really wanna be proactive and thinking about what can I balance in my life in terms of adequate nutrition. And when I say adequate nutrition, I mean looking at the balance, not just a paleo, not just a keto, not just an Atkins because you wanna lose a few pounds, but a balanced diet that looks at whole grains, fresh fruits and vegetables as much as possible, reducing sodium, and limiting your meats or your animal proteins to chicken, turkey, and fish, and really steering away from full-fat dairy products and things that have a lot of fat in them. This is the diet has been shown over and over and over again to reduce high blood pressure, to reduce diabetes, to control weight, and to reduce the risk of heart disease and strokes. So what I would emphasize is that your life in some ways because of your chosen profession is not balanced. And I can tell you as a doctor, having spent many, many 100 hour weeks in the hospital in my younger years, I know what not balance is. But to maintain as much balance as you can is going to maintain your own personal longevity. Which leads me to the last question I have here. Um, 
programs and services you offer for first responders, I, I will say this with Kim Putnam, the nutritionist you use, love her. Um, she has been very helpful for several of our people. So you do have a, access to a nutritionist, correct? Absolutely, yes. What we believe is that um, a good medical exam should be partnered with a good nutritional assessment, a good biochemical assessment, and what I mean by that are blood tests. In some cases, genetic testing is available if you have a strong family history. Doesn't mean that you're going to get that disease, but it means you have a tendency, and so we need to look at what can you control with a little bit more focus, with a little bit more rigor. We also offer exercise testing, not just to, or exercise assessments, I should say, not just to diagnose heart disease, which is the conventional way that we use exercise testing in medicine, but rather looking at what is your personal aerobic capacity? How strong are you? You know, again, using a firefighter as a, as a first, as an example, that individual, when they are in the process of combating a fire, they have very high blood pressure in the moment. They have very high heart rates in the moment. Their adrenaline is pumping. They need good aerobic capacity to be able to climb up and down ladders, to be able to carry, carry individuals and save individuals. They also need good anaerobic capacity to be able to break down and enter into a burning building, to be able to haul equipment back and forth. So this is a combination of physical ability that we can assess and typically do so at Potentrix. And if we find something that is not up to snuff, we can give you an exercise prescription, if you will, not necessarily having to schlep into our shop, but just to be able to do at home. And we have trained exercise physiologists who will work with that individual to improve their capacity and to maximize their potential. Our nutritionist, again, meets you where you are. If you're somebody who, is, who has struggled with weight or you're somebody who um, needs, to, needs to have an economic reason to eat a certain way or a religious reason to, to eat a certain way, again, we want to properly balance nutrition to meet your needs, where you are, and what steps you can take to improve your overall health. We're in this for the long run, just like you are. We want to make sure that incremental changes are building the strongest health portfolio that you possibly can going forward. While you're a firefighter, while you're a policeman, while you're supporting the staff, that staff rather, working in the office and beyond to prepare for your retirement. We want to build your health portfolio as carefully as you build your financial portfolio so that you're ready to take on the world. So we talked a lot about firefighters there with police. <clears throat> Could you mention just a couple, you work with police officers as well, right? We do. Mm -hmm. um, what would be a couple you would say that, uh, a couple things you'd say for them, they go on shift, we are on, well, their shift, they're not sleeping. And we have a capacity to do that sometimes. So what's the difference with a police officer, firefighter, would you say? Again, I would say that a police officer may not be exposed to as many chemical insults in terms of heat and in terms of noxious fumes that a firefighter may. But again, their adrenaline levels, their blood pressure, they need to be that tactical athlete also. They need to be able to react quickly, so their minds need to be alert, that needs to be de-stressed, if you will. If you're worried about how your kid's gonna go through high school or uh, what, what's going on with your daughter's divorce, you're not able necessarily to focus on the job in the moment as effectively as if you had an element 
and a method to de-stress and uh, to balance your life. So again, it's eating properly. It's making sure that even though you're not sleeping on the job as much, you're balancing your sleep when you're not on shift. It's exercising when you're not on shift, if you're not able to do so because you're, you're on a beat where you're in a car a lot. It's trying to get, look at every week that you have as a balance between proper nutrition, proper exercise, and proper stress management. Thank you very much for that. Um, last thing I want to just revisit for a second. When people come to your organization, I, I know that the medical profession I found, there are several places that work with prevention that there are things that are not covered on our insurance card. So if someone came to you and you said, hey, we don't cover this, what could you say as far as making a suggestion why you might want to spend a little bit of money towards prevention anyway? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, unfortunately, the, the insurance companies have not invested in prevention as much as we would like. And I can tell you from my own experience as the medical director of, of wellness at Swedish, it's largely because of the business plan of the insurance company that em employers may change, may change insurance companies every three to five years. And if insurance company A invests in prevention, insurance company B is going to reap the benefits. And so it's really a business decision, not a practical decision. So what I usually say to people is, when you take your puppy to the vet, you don't pull out your insurance card. You, you pay for the shots, you, you pay for this beloved member of your family to receive care. And you as a beloved member of that family also need to take care of yourself. So we try to negotiate at Potentrix and at Spec Health, we try to negotiate with Lab, uh, LabCorp and Quest and other, other persons so that we get uh, as low a price as we can. But just because your insurance company doesn't pay for it doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. Great. Thank you so much. Was there anything else you want to add to this before I sign? Um, let me just look here. If I got anything here. Um, no, I think we're. I think we're pretty good. Is this a message that you think will play? Absolutely. No, this is great. Thank you very much, Sarah, and uh, we thank you for all the hard work you do for our folks here. Thank you very much. It's really a pleasure to work with your your people. I I, uh, I don't always send you a direct note because of the fact of the HIPAA privacy, but I always I always make sure that they say they're going to get back with you that we in fact met and we're working on the problem. Yeah, they usually do. It's funny they, you get too much information here in the fitness center. It's pretty funny sometimes. But thank you for all your help. I, I guess I guess the thing I would say, Steve, is that is that um, and you can record this or not, but I mean I think. I'm not sure police departments have fitness centers like the fire departments do. And I think that this is a really important community investment that we need as citizens and first responders to lobby hard to provide to our first responders. Because again, when you're doing shift work, when you have so much responsibility and trying to balance your professional responsibilities and your home responsibilities, getting to the gym at 10 o'clock at night getting that gym membership is just not something that's going to necessarily happen. But if you have the convenience of having a fitness officer and a fitness facility that's readily available to you, even if it would be a, a community-based shared between several departments, 
I think that's an awesome resource. Okay. And I think that it's only going to serve well for the community at, at large and for obviously those individuals who take advantage of it. Yeah, it's interesting. We, we sh in, in Kent anyway, I would say for the police officers here that just rock, they are amazing folks. Mm -hmm. And we open up on Tuesday and Thursdays at nine for them to come in. We've been getting consistently over eight months, at least six to seven that come in. We've had new hires come in. And I just started with uh, another shift. A sergeant starts at six at night. Mm -hmm. We're just going a little later. We found we could make uh, some agreement so they could bring in their folks that time. And, and a, a police officer yesterday just made the comment. He said, this is already helping with my behavioral, my wellness, my stress level for my family. He has four children at home. And in lieu of everything that's going on right now, it's the least we can do. But I totally agree with you. I mean, we've, we've gone from two people in a rig to one for police. And they're isolated. And a lot of the people they see are not very kind to them. Um, so, uh, no, thanks for saying that. That's a great show. I'm going to keep that. Yeah. Okay. You have a wonderful day. This is your day off. This is amazing. I appreciate very much again, the opportunity to do so. So we'll be back in touch okay. and you have, a, you have a good day yourself. Thanks a lot, Sarah. Bye. Bye. -bye.